This week on the Middle Tech Podcast, we have our Louisville business development dude, Nico. Nico is involved in so many projects throughout Louisville, things with the university, nonprofits, pure startups. He's a great connection in the city, and he's going to be doing a lot for us. So we're going to talk about his projects and what he's doing with the Middle Tech. Let's go. Alright, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso here in Chicago, Illinois, down in Lexington, Kentucky. Evan Knowles. How you doing, my friend? What's going on? Doing well. I uh had a good weekend working on my just got a house, so I've been working on yeah. that a lot. Uh that's exciting. So um just trying to, you know, get it ready to live in. I mean it's ready to live in, but I'm just you know, there's a few things that need to be done. I got to hook up the internet, our power and our water got shut off. So I had to turn that on. <laughs> so I didn't know you, how much work going into buying a house. You shared with me that you have ice in your refrigerator door and I've never felt like less of an adult than knowing that you have ice in your door. Yeah. I think like we, like you said, I think once you, once you have an ice and a water dispenser in the door of your refrigerator, you made it. How does it feel? <laughs> well it doesn't feel that good because it doesn't work right now so i'm trying to figure out (laughs) that's kind of a prerequisite to being a big deal yeah is it actually functioning uh cool i'm excited for this conversation we're about to have uh we brought this guy on the team a couple months ago now but we haven't like actually had him on the podcast yet so it's about time um we have our louisville business development associate and he's so much more than that and we'll get into all of that nico how you doing my man hey guys how are you good thanks for uh finally getting on the podcast yeah with us. of course glad to be here you've been working a lot with us behind the scenes you've yeah. been in all our meetings helped us with some uh outreach there in louisville but this is the first time you're you're facing the crowd, I guess. Yep, definitely. Very excited. So let's start. We always start with like a little background. Uh, you have a more, I think, more diverse projects right now mm-hmm. than a lot of our guests. So, I, you know, take it wherever you want to go off the top. Yeah, but sure. let's kind of talk about your background, what you're doing, and then we'll dive into some stuff from there. Well, uh, I'm originally from uh, Cordoba, Argentina. Uh, moved to the U.S. with my family when I was about a year old, um, lived in Gainesville, Florida, uh, while my dad was um, getting his PhD at, at uh, UF in, uh, in bioengineering and ag engineering. And uh, somehow, by, by the grace of God, ended up in Murray, Kentucky. And uh, <laughs> from there, I moved to Louisville back in 2016 to attend U of L. Nice. Yeah. So. Are you actually a Cardinals fan? Uh, I don't really watch sports very much, so uh, yes and no, I guess. That's the PC answer. Yeah, yeah, that's a very PC answer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Doesn't watch sports. Hey, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, dig into, you know, you're at Louisville. You're doing all kinds of amazing things for the University of Louisville. Um, talk about how you got involved once you got there and the projects you're working on there within U of L. Yeah, so uh, when I first got to U of L back in 2016, 
Uh, I started off as a bioengineering major um, and pretty quickly I figured out, you know, I didn't really have any interest in biology. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty uh, important thing to do when you're kind of majoring in it. So um, I switched to mechanical engineering and I've kind of been there um, ever since. And, uh, you know, as, as kind of like this young creative, uh, you know, guy, I had a really hard time conforming to that really strict uh, mold of your, you know, typical engineering student. So um, I, I had a pretty tough time, you know, just going to class and not doing stuff outside of school uh, for my first couple of years here. So I got really involved, um, worked with a lot of the uh, undergraduate, you know, engineering student teams, uh, got really invo involved at First Build, uh, which is GE's kind of rapid product development arm. Uh, they have a facility just off the UofL campus. So I worked there for about a year and a half. I uh, got a lot of cool um, experience. Um, and, you know, ever since I was, I was kind of like 13 or 14, I really had this huge uh, interest in startups and entrepreneurship in general. So I think taking that um, uh, different path, you know, as an engineering student really helped me um, get my feet wet in uh, the entrepreneurship area and uh, in startups in general. Had a lot of friends that launched startups, and I, I, uh, you know, had my first one back in 2016, which we eventually closed in in early 2017. But um, now I'm, uh, you know, kind of working with uh, a few other ones, you know, including Middle Tech. So that's all very exciting. So your main project right now is Parkbot. Yes, right? Parkbot. Talk a little bit about that. Awesome. Okay, so uh, Parkbot is, uh, you know, our startup here in Louisville, Kentucky. We're a uh, smart parking cloud platform provider and system integrator. So we work with a lot of companies, <laughs> a lot of hardware companies like uh, Bosch and PNI Sensor and uh, Wave. You know, a lot of these companies that make pretty much the same product, which is a, a hockey puck shaped sensor, um, parking sensor. Sorry, that has a little geomagnetic uh, trip wire in it that detects when a vehicle pulls up over it. So um, you know, there's been a huge push in, uh, you know, especially with IOT and um, with more and more uh, vehicles, you know, starting to drive on roads all around the world, you know, there's been this huge push for uh, more and more connected parking solutions, you know, that are capable of driving uh, more and more users to parking facilities. So, uh, you know, these products, these uh, parking sensors are, uh, you know, one of the many potential answers to uh, these problems. So uh, a lot of these hardware companies are having a really hard time integrating these systems at scale, you know, and a lot of them are getting stuck in, um, you know, what is known in the IoT world as pilot purgatory, you know, where you're not really able to um, deploy your uh, products at scale. So, uh, you know, the role of the system integrator is very important. And I, I think that's, um, that holds for a lot of the technology we're seeing in, in the IoT space. So, uh, especially for us. So, um, you know, using this um, this type of technology, you can you can really bring a completely new level of connectivity to uh, parking infrastructure. You know, work to bring um, new potentially paying customers to parking facilities everywhere. How did you get into yeah. the parking space in the first place? That's not really something that uh, I would think too many people would <laughs> be paying attention to. What made you say this is something I want to try to innovate? Yeah, so uh, I, I actually joined Parkbot um, last year. So there were two uh, two U of L students that were working on it. Uh, my co-founder uh, Victor Papashev 
and uh, another student. So uh, I, I, I joined their, their startup originally and uh, our, our other guy left. So it was just me and Victor at the end. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of pivoting as most startups do uh, at the beginning. And finally, we mm-hmm. kind of found this little niche um, in the smart parking industry, you know, kind of working as this uh, hardware enabled uh, software platform provider. So, um, you know, parking is one of those problems that, you know, everybody has, you know, if you've ever been mm-hmm. downtown, uh, you know, in any downtown city, Nate, I'm, I'm sure you relate to this in, in Chicago. Uh, it's really, really hard to find um, parking, you know, and yep. if you try and quantify, you know, how many people that are stuck in traffic are really looking for parking, um, you know, you get up to 30 to 40 percent of, of current traffic, you know, that's looking for parking. So the numbers really add up. Uh, so it's it's one of those problems, you know, everybody encounters, but no one really knows how to solve. And it's a it's a really um, it's kind of a tricky systems systems problem so um i think it's it, it's very interesting uh you know to approach these these different facilities um with kind of the same technology you know finding new applications for for the uh for the solution so uh it's uh i, I think it's very interesting so is your is or parkbot is parkbot's client the owner of the parking garage yes yes uh well we're i, I guess we're technically uh b2b to c um just because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we will be servicing the end user. Um, yep. You know, when uh, when the parking providers really look at, you know, ways to bring new connectivity to their facilities, you know, they're really looking for a way to increase revenue, right? So um, your solution really has to have a way to do that. And um, when you dive into the, you know, the, the full circle solution we provide, uh, you know, these sensors are simply a way of collecting data, right? And this data, uh, you know, we can parse it out via, you know, API to apps like Spot Hero, ParkWiz, et cetera, because a lot of these apps, uh, Nate, you know, you're in Chicago, which is kind of the, the parking capital of America right now. A lot of these apps mm-hmm. are, uh, especially Spot Hero and ParkWiz, are, are looking for that new level of real-time uh, availability, you know, in facilities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because up until now, the way they've operated is, you know, they've used these highly speculative algorithms to kind of predict uh, whether or not they're going to be empty spaces. So a lot of times they oversell uh, parking spaces in facilities. Really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize so that. I've only ever used like Spot Hero to like park in someone's driveway, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure that there's garages using it and they probably are. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Considering how many people may may show up. Yeah, may not show yeah. Up. I want to say they just raised like a series D or something like that, like a yeah. fifty million dollars Series D, something insane. Mm-hmm. And Parkway yeah. is just like rebranded yeah. to be like so, arrive, arrive. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's awesome. That's interesting. So I gotta, I have to ask on that before we move on. Yeah. Like, I'm so interested in the future of mobility, mm-hmm. and you know, one thing that people always talk about is you know car sharing and autonomous vehicles and. um you know, if it, if you're not if you're going to own a car in 20 years, yeah. maybe not. Maybe you're just going to call your Uber and your shared car is going to come up, drive itself, and then go park in the back alley, smush between 20 other cars and wait for its turn, or something. So, how you know in the the 20 30 year span, how does a you know how does the consumer parking world look? Um, I you know I, I can't really tell you on in, in 20 to 30 years. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. 
uh, what will happen that, that far away. That's with, not a fair question. With, 20 yeah, to 30 years. Yeah, yeah, especially with the yeah. way that the tech is expanding and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, you know, definitely in the near future, I, uh, I definitely think ride sharing is going to be uh, a big part of, you know, of how we move. Uh, I think especially um, we're going to see some changes in how we work, you know, um, I think that working remotely is going to be a big part of, um, you know, solving the mobility crisis. You know, if you look at the percent of traffic on a day-to-day basis, 80, 90% of that is people going back and forth from work. Right. Um, so I think working remotely is going to be a big part of, um, the future, you know, of solving, uh, solving the mobility problem. So, um, yeah. Awesome. What kind of progress have you had so far? With, um, uh, we've had some, we've had some pretty crazy progress so far. Um, we have, um, we've had some pretty great progress so far. Um, you know, we're working a lot with uh, Bosch connectivity, which is the uh, connected solutions and kind of like IOT division of, uh, you know, the big, the big German company Bosch. Um, and we're actually collaborating with them on uh, a few projects in central and South America. Right now we've been, working to prepare some materials for their, uh, for big project they have in Panama. Uh, we're trying to put up a smart city district for, uh, the, uh, city government in, uh, Costa del Este, which is in Panama city. It's the second most valuable commercial district in, uh, in Panama. So, uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. We've also uh, gotten some traction here in the U S, um, working with one of our partners out of California. We've got a, a paid pilot here in, here in uh, Louisville, working with the parking authority, um, going up in one of the garages downtown. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll start to see some uh, some demand coming out of like Chicago and Austin because they're making some big steps um, in parking. So talk about. Uh, let's move on from Parkbot. Yeah, yeah. uh, another project that I'm really interested that you work on is the Droplet Water Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Talk about that one. You know, that, I think that's a really interesting one with an awesome purpose. Yeah, awesome. So um, Droplet is um, a nonprofit I, um, I'm i a part of. I, I'm an associate director there. Uh, I lead the – I'm kind of leading the charge on our South American um, projects, mainly in, in kind of Colombia, working with our uh, project leader and uh, our co-founder as well. So, um, you know, it's kind of a new approach to uh, – you know, addressing water shortages and water related issues in uh, the world. You know, when you take a, a look at how, um, you know, water NGOs and water nonprofits have historically, um, you know, tackled water issues, they've been, they've been very reactive. You know, they've, uh, they've uh, sent off aid to uh, victims of water shortages or water related crises um, due to, you know, hurricanes, um, Routes, uh, that that type of thing. Earthquakes, but, yeah, earthquakes, etc. Exactly. So, um, you know, we're. I, I think, especially in the next uh, ten to twenty years, we're going to start to see um, a completely new sector of problems, uh, especially as you know these climate patterns start to shift. You know, some of the world's hottest regions um, are increasing in temperature, mainly in the uh, kind of like sub-Saharan Africa, the Middle East, um, Central America, and India, especially. Uh, due to this thing called the Hadley cell expansion, where a lot of clouds uh, kind of start to move away from the equator and towards the poles. So, uh, you know, a lot of these 
uh, heavily, you know, agricultural dependent areas are kind of already facing water stress, right? So um, this is, uh, especially over the course of the next 20, 10 to 20 years is the uh, Hadley cell expansion, its effects are kind of exacerbated. Um, I think we'll see a lot of um, shortages in the food production, you know, industrial output uh, and water provisioning we see in uh, these areas that already, you know, face water stress. So uh, the way we're doing this is kind of in, um, you know, this new approach, really leveraging uh, local education. Uh, so rather than, you know, sending in a 10 to 20 person team uh, to these communities, you know, we really work to build a good relationship with a couple people and, you know, try and get the entire community engaged. So uh, this in turn makes a huge impact on the community and, you know, really gets them involved and engaged. And uh, they usually, you know, want to turn around, you know, after we've completed a project and um, really work to set up, set up other ones. So uh, it has a really great effect. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure that's awesome to work with and mm -hmm. uh, really makes you feel good about, you know, the progress that you guys are making not only as a team, but you know, for the world. Yeah. It's, that's, that's great. Um, how do you do all this? Cause you're a student at U of L. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I always like to you know talk about and, you know, tell students when I speak to classes is to get as involved as possible, you know, outside of the classroom. Cause it's, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to be in the business world, um, ultimately, the most learning is going to come out of out of the side of the classroom. How are you balancing your time? How do you approach, uh, you know, doing all these different projects while being in school? Talk about uh, how you do that, because I think the audience can really you know, take bits and pieces of that and apply it to their own education. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evan, I, I really agree with you um, on, uh, you know, first off on, um, you know, if you, on, on the principle, you know, if you, if you want to really do extraordinary things, you have to kind of take an extraordinary approach to uh, how you balance, how you balance things. I don't really believe in, you know, work or <laughs> school life balance. You know, I kind of make it a part of my day, uh, part of my routine. So if anything comes up, you know, I can't really afford to set it off because I'm either uh, sitting in class or, you know, I'm sitting at my desk. I really, uh, you know, I really have to tackle the problem that in there. I think for me, what has uh, made it easy for me to kind of, you know, stay, uh, stay alive in, in engineering school and uh, get stuff done uh, has really been, uh, you know, just to tackle problems as they come up and then keep going, you know, just jump right back into it. So uh, not getting too distracted, but um, yeah, uh, I've, uh, I've, you know, I've been able to manage a lot of things at the same time. You know, I've, I've, I'm also a terrible student, so um, you know, not, not terrible, but hmm. de definitely not the best. So as <laughs> you do enough know, just to get by. Yeah. Yeah. Just to get by. That's exactly. Um, so yeah. So you're, you're going to Louisville, you're involved with all these projects mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. there in Louisville. And obviously just from this conversation, we, we can tell that you're a smart guy and I'm sure all the listeners have picked up on that <laughs> as well. So you're really in tune to everything that's going on in Louisville outside of what you're working <clears> on directly <throat> and kind of the scene as a whole. And that's why we wanted to get you on board and, and help us get connected mm -hmm. to that scene. Uh, Cause obviously we've been focused mainly on Lexington up to this point. Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, high level, what are your thoughts? And I, we've talked about this, but, you know, I, I kind of want everyone to, to hear some of those great insights that you've told us. But like, what are your thoughts on that Louisville scene, both positive and negative? And, and how is it to be part of that entrepreneurial space in Kentucky's largest city? Yeah. Um, you know, first off, I, um, 
you know, I've got nothing but love for the, uh, for the Louisville startup community and mm-hmm. everybody that uh, works really hard to provide the resources um, and the, uh, you know, all the, all the connections and whatnot to uh, founders and those interested in, in, you know, uh, tackling entrepreneurship. So uh, I got nothing but love there. Um, you know, people have really great intentions uh, in this community. You know, they really, want to do their best and they're extremely selfless with their time, which, uh, you know, in a lot of cities like, you know, Boston, New York, San Francisco, I don't think you could really, uh, say the same, you know, so, uh, one of the, you know, one of the biggest reasons I moved to Louisville, um, you know, having been someone who's so passionate about entrepreneurship, you know, since the age of 13 or 14, and, you know, I knew that Louisville is really a big city for Kentucky, you know, large city here. Yeah. Um, so I knew that, you know, anything I did in Louisville, um, had the potential to make an impact. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I knew that it was small enough that, you know, you'd be able to access the people you needed to, uh, really cover ground quickly. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Louisville, I, I think for, for Kentucky, you know, Louisville likes or, or where you want to be, uh, if you're launching a startup, but, um, yeah, I, th- I, I would, I do have a few criticisms of course, but, um, that. yeah, yeah, Go. absolutely. So, so, um, you know, when you talk to a lot of founders here, uh, one of the first things they'll tell you is that we need more venture capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they think that, uh, you know, their ideas are worth getting funded right off the bat and, you know, some, for some that's a hundred percent true for others, you know, that's not really the case. Um, most startups don't get funded. Um, so, you know, we can, we can do the math there, but, um, in, in in my personal experience, you know, uh, I've, I've talked to quite a few venture capitalists, uh, of course not based in Louisville, you know, based out of places like Boston, New York city, uh, San Francisco, um, et cetera. And, you know, one of the biggest things in venture capital is, you know, you really want to build a relationship with your founder. You know, it's very rare that, uh, you'll just get a check written and, uh, you know, get pointed to the door when you go to, um, you know, go into a meeting with a, with, with a VC, you know, with a, with an yeah. investor. So, um, that relationship aspect is huge, right? Um, so it's really hard for VCs to really, uh, build those relationships when, uh, you know, a lot of the biggest are in, you know, are in either on the East coast or in the, uh, in the West, you know, on the West coast. So, um, it's really hard for them to build that relationship. So it really doesn't really incentivize them very much to come in and uh you know work really hard to establish a presence here to really work hard to build relationships so um i think that you know to really make it worth it for them to come in and um want to build relationships you know really establish a presence here we have to all kind of work together to build a better support ecosystem you know um Mm -hmm. i think when you look at a lot of the um successful startups on the east and west coast you know they they get a lot of uh corporate support i think you know and uh louisville is home to some of the largest corporations in the world in several different sectors you know i think if we tied those um you know really brought those corporations into you know how we do things and really uh set up a network where founders can you know do uh, paid pilot tests and, uh, you know, get feedback from a lot of these corporate leaders, we'd, we'd have a much, um, you know, much better time, much easier time getting some of these startups funded. Uh, at the same time, you know, we have a lot of people here that uh, will work night and day to 
um, connect you with the right people, you know, even if that's outside of Louisville. Um, Leap especially has been working uh, super hard for the past almost six months, uh, you know, to really build a great pipeline for, uh, you know, founders here and really connecting them with the right people. So uh, hats off to them for, for really taking the, initi- taking the initiative there and, and working really hard to solve that. What are you most optimistic about with the area? Um, I think that the progress the University of Louisville is making to, yeah. um, you know, prop up that pipeline, especially over the course of the past year and a half with our new president, Ben uh, you know, she's mm-hmm. established this great uh, relationship with IBM, you know, has thrown the support of the university behind Leap uh, and is really working to uh, build the right relationships and dependencies in the ecosystem. Uh, I think that's that's a huge huge source of uh, optimism for me, especially because U of L has such a, you know, kind of the center of of everything in Louisville. So yeah. definitely makes a ton of sense. You know, while we all sit here and criticize, you know, the education system, especially me, uh, <laughs> there's no denying how important the university system is to you know, the United States, um, while we can sit there and criticize the way they educate students, uh, at the end of the day, the impact that these universities have on these communities is undeniable. So, uh, you know, Lexington is, is pretty much exclusively known, uh, for horses and university of Kentucky. Um, and U of L is, you know, not a whole lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it's the center of the city. And I think it's so important for these universities to begin to embrace and really, get behind entrepreneurship and uh, technology and, you know, some of these fields that feed into the startup space, because if they want the city of L or city of Louisville to grow or the city of Lexington to grow, it's going to take students graduating from these universities and staying here and growing these startups. So, yep. you know, we really can't talk enough about, you know, the, the role of these universities. So, um, you know, it's important that we mention that. That's such a big thing is them staying I mean, I'm probably the last person that should be talking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but like just having that, that immense amount of talent that goes through those, those university systems, you know, in Louisville, you have U of L, you have Bellarmine, you have, you know, a handful of others and Lexington, you have UK and, and Transy. There's just so much high level, highly educated people mm-hmm. that pack up and leave. Um, and, you know, any way to, to get not only the, the leaders at those schools involved, but the, the greater population. So they want to, and they are incentivized to stick around. I think, Evan, you're so right. That's how you, that's how you make a groundswell movement. That will Yeah. Make and we got to like start universe. connecting. We got to start connecting the startup ecosystem outside of the university. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. universities better. I think, uh, the, the team at UK is doing a good job of that. You know, Warren Nash and, mm-hmm. uh, the team there is, is doing a great job from what I've seen so far, the new Dean of the Gadden schools really making that a big initiative of his. Um, but the university has to lean heavily on, you know, the corporate sector and, you know, these startups in the, in the, in the ecosystem. Um, while they're not big companies, some of the most talented people in Lexington are building these startups. And then while they might have 15 people or less on the team, the, the students that are in U of L or U of L or UK are going to learn the most from them. So yeah. they really got to figure out a way to connect these students to these entrepreneurs that are building these companies because people our age want to be a part of startups. Yeah. Whether they, yeah. Know, they might even know a startup, what a startup is, 
but they just see these things on social media and they see the lifestyle and they see, you know, where the, the business ecosystem's moving. It's moving more towards these fast growth um, startups mm -hmm. that, um, you know, either get acquired by these large corporations or become the big corporations. And so people want to be a part of that. And students need to yeah. see that side of the world because it, at UK and U of L traditionally, there is no education on startups at all. So they don't even know that's an option coming out of school. And so I've really got to think, I really think that they got to do a better job of connecting these students and showing them examples of startups right in their own backyard within Lexington and U of L. And again, I think they're starting to do that, but they've got to continue to do a better job. For sure. I think one of the, one of the greatest things uh, that has happened to entrepreneurship in the last couple of years, brand wise, you know, love him or hate him is Gary V and like how popular he's gotten and, you know, showcasing, you know, how he's kind of killing it as an entrepreneur. And of course, before that, there were examples like Mark Cuban, you know, there's for years there have been cool examples, but it's at the forefront of content and the forefront of, you know, an aspirational person now. And we got to take advantage of that, that wave that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it starts with media, right? I think that's why we're doing yeah. Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Starts with the awareness. And then from the awareness, they need to know who to get plugged into. You know, they need to be able to approach Warren or, um, you know, the, their professors and say, hey, you know, I'm watching this guy, Gary Vee, or I'm listening to the Middle Tech podcast, or I'm, you know, hearing about, you know, some of these entrepreneurs. How do I do that? Yeah. You know, who, who can I talk to? And so that's why you got to build that pipeline at these universities and really show these students how to do that. Because everybody, I think, I think deep down, everybody w would want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do your own thing and, you know, have purpose in your work. And sure, you might want to work for a big company and do that. But at the same time, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur. You know, you want to be able yeah. to have your own thing and your own projects and, you know, build things. Um, you know, some people's mind don't work like that, but I venture to say the majority of people would love to have, you know, whether it's entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, they'd love to have that kind of lifestyle or some kind of project like that. So people just got to do a better job within universities, you know, communicating that it's an option. Yeah. I think, see, from my mindset personally, like I completely agree with you, Evan, but I've been surprised, you know, in my career, um, which has involved a few less entrepreneurial places than, than you've worked, you know, there, there are just some people who want to do A, B and C and get their paycheck. And, you know, yeah. if, if doing A, B and D was more efficient, but it would take more work to set up, it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I think there are, fine. I totally agree with you that there are people yeah. that, that would prefer that uh, mm -hmm. out of college or maybe the rest of their career, but at some time yeah. in their life, they're going to want to work on some kind of project, even whether it makes them money or not. Right. True. True. Yep. So just teach them that do your own thing, like whatever you're good mm -hmm. at and have passion about, like just start doing it and see what happens. I think that's just gotta be more em emphasized rather than just, you know, taking the same curriculum and having the, the prerequisites and going all the way through your college career and expecting the same when you get it out of the real, real world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Evan, you know, I think you're, you're really, uh, you really hit the nail on the head there. You know, I think at the end of the day, what most people want to do is they really want to create something. Uh, and whether they do that, you know, within a larger corporation or, uh, on their own for, uh, their own company, uh, you know, that's, that's a great platform for, for, uh, anybody and everybody. Uh, at the same time though, you know, most entrepreneurs are, um, you know, have a, 
much different uh, risk tolerance, I think, than um, those that you know don't choose to pursue startups. You know, if you look at uh, people like uh, Elon Musk, you know, Gary Vee, uh, these people that are willing to take risks. I think I think Elon was probably a uh, uh, probably a little extreme, but um, you know, these people are willing to take risks uh, left and right um, to world's end. Um, and uh, a lot of the other people, you know, that, that don't choose to launch their own startups, uh, I think are a little different that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a mindset. Yeah, and I definitely. just think that we just got to do a better job saying it's acceptable to take risks and have that mindset. You know, um, but cool. You know, I love talking about that kind of stuff. Let's just, let's end it on the classic. Let's just hear you say what your outlook is on U of L what your outlook is on uh, the city of Louisville and the projects you're working on. Just take that wherever you want. Let's, let's hear kind of your, your optimistic forward looking view on uh, the state of the startup ecosystem. Yeah, Evan. Um, I really think that Louisville is making some uh, definitely making steps in the right direction, you know, uh, especially with leap and uh, just how much community engagement we're seeing, you know, trying to revitalize and really, um, you know, build out the startup ecosystem and, you know, really build a great pipeline for uh, startup founders to get the resources they need. Um, so I think we're definitely going to see some great companies come out of Louisville over the course of the next four to five years. Um, you know, I think we're definitely on the right track. So um, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, really steer um, some, uh, some of the, you know, Louisvillians, you know, uh, some of those that have access to uh, capital into investing in uh, local uh, Louisville startups. You know, I think that, you know, Louisville, of course, has a lot of money. Uh, you know, there are a lot of yeah. wealthy individuals here. Uh, but, you know, we don't really have a very robust uh, angel investor network. Um, so I think that's going to be a big part of helping support the startup community. Uh, it's going to be, you know, not so much educating uh, you know, venture capitalists and founders uh, on on reality, but you know, talking to uh, those potential angel investors here on um, you know the pros and cons of investing in startups, and you know, really getting them engaged in the conversation as well. We're excited to to have you put the boots on the ground over there and be part of that story over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely.